Want to be a part of the conversation? Then let us know on the TNT Radio interactive live chat room at tntradio.live. Lighting the fuse for freedom. Today's news talk, TNT Radio. With a compelling perspective on U.S. politics, this is The Tyler Nixon Show on TNT. Welcome to The Tyler Nixon Show, live here on today's news talk, where we are lighting the fuse for freedom. Happy leap year. Today is, uh, I guess, the leap day. It's uh, February 29th, uh, 2024, just as we get once every four years. So we'll enjoy that extra day of February for those who have deadlines uh, to meet. And uh, we have a great guest lined up, a friend from back east, back in Delaware, my home state. Uh, she is a, uh, a really, really tough lady who has taken the uh, taken Delaware by storm, taken mainly the Delaware GOP by storm. Uh, she uh, last year unseated in a, uh, a rather upset victory. Uh, the the current chair of the Republican Party, or excuse me, at the time, current chair of the Republican Party, who was an establishment uh, stalwart and longtime uh former candidate. She actually had run against Joe Biden in 1990. And uh, uh, Julianne Murray is uh, absolutely a, 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 sh a sharp attorney as well, and really just the type of um, uh, hard-charging patriot that that party needs. Uh, I spent too much time in the bowels of that party, I guess, uh, when I say the bowels, because uh, it really they really eat their young. And I was certainly young at the time when I began uh, my journey in politics. Uh, around March of 1984. So I guess we're coming up March, yeah, it'd be 40 years. I can't believe it. Uh, 40 years in the American political, as an American political junkie, I guess you could say, certainly. Uh, definitely have enjoyed my, uh, enjoyed the ride. It's been ups and downs, been roller coaster. I ran for, uh, ran for office. I ran for the Republican nomination for Lieutenant Governor in 2004. In 2006, I ran for state Senate against the uh, a 30-year incumbent whose father was congressman from Delaware, a guy named Harris McDowell. And um, I had such uh, such battles with the Republican Party that uh, they basically they sh they basically short-circuited the process uh, in order to favor one of their one of these uh, people along the way who it was his turn to run. Uh, but he had no compelling case for his candidacy. It was just sort of, I think they were used to putting people as placeholders to uh, to be defeated because the district was, you know, 50% Democrat and maybe 25% Republican, the rest independents and uh, any Republican. I mean, it was, and, and these are not people who are uh, uh, persuadable, let's just say in these districts, they're Democrats or the, in, I mean, it's pretty much hardcore Democrat uh, you know, unless you've got that D in front of your name. And and it's sad because it's not even necessarily a an ideological or substantive fealty to the Democrat Party. It's more like the old time uh, clan, uh, you know, clannish uh, sort of ward boss uh, organizations where it's just a matter of literally the Democrat Party moniker and the organization are all that matters. Uh, you know, it's like a, it's like a, a organized labor is a. a pretty prevalent in Delaware, pretty uh, influential in politics. So you end up getting these people who it's just about, I, I'm in fact, I recall uh, a Democrat sort of hack operative. I hate to call him that, but that's really what he is. Some of these guys, a muckety muck who uh, makes his way around uh, the back channels of, of politics on the lower end. And he's uh, sort of been a Biden psychophant for years. And uh, he and I, I mean, he and I had a good relationship. We would 
chat. We would sort of uh, had a very cordial, you know, we'd see each other, see each other socially. And uh, we also went to high school together. So that, you know, that was uh, it preceded our political forays. But I remember uh, him uh, talking with me when I was uh, mounting this candidacy against this uh, this senator, this uh, 30 year uh, state senator, Harris McDowell, who was known to be essentially, for lack of a better term, a drunk. He was, you know, he would be sauced by two in the afternoon in his office. And, you know, they, of course, they, they loved their, uh, their, their booze uh, that they would get donated by the major uh, packaging companies, distributors throughout the state and uh, the, the General Assembly, I should say, the, uh, the senators and the uh, members of the House. But uh, anyway, so we sat down and uh, this, this operative is like, Tyler, he's like, we, you know, we, we really like you, you know, we really like what you have to say. And you're, you know, you're, you're a friend of mine, a friend of, you know, you made a lot of friends and I, which is true. I did make a lot of friends on the Democrat side and the liberal side, even um, just, just really almost more like a camaraderie from the blog battles and the flame wars that we would have uh, before really there were social media. Everybody was on the, the blogs and commenting there. And so there were several prominent blogs. I actually authored, co-authored one for several years. Uh, it was the Delaware Libertarian blog, which I think is still accessible. The archives are still accessible on uh, somewhere on WordPress or maybe Blogspot. But um, that being said, uh, he said, you know, everybody, you know, you know, our side likes you, Tyler, but, you know, you got to become a Democrat. He's like, you know, you, that's that's the only way you're going to go anywhere in the state. And I just thought that was very, uh, it was sort of, I don't know, it's very cynical from my perspective, because I've always felt Delaware had been a state that uh, there was a bipartisan nature to it um, in the sense that we elected good Republicans, the Democrats, maybe not so much. I mean, maybe historically there were a few decent ones, but whatever the case, it was it was a state that was never uh, a slave to one political party. It was uh, we had uh, Governor Pete DuPont, a Republican, a very conservative Republican who did great things for the state, set it up for success all the way into the late 90s. And uh, we had, um, obviously we have Joe Biden. I, I don't even want to go there. I mean, that's just, Joe Biden is just, um, he's uh, he's always been sort of an outlier really in the state politics. I mean, people think, oh, he's from Delaware. The, and obviously the Demo Democrat party there is behind him hundred percent, but he was never part of the sort of political establishment in the state. He always, once he got elected, he was only 29 when he got elected. So he was never, he didn't come up through the system. He didn't have those allegiances. I mean, sure, he knew everybody and they knew him because he was the senator, U.S. senator at that point. But he always uh, he always sort of kept himself distinct and apart from them. He raised his money almost probably, I think, 75 percent of uh, Biden's uh, campaign hall was from out of state. So, you know, that tells you a lot right there. Um, but we had Senator Bill Roth, the Republican, a great man. If you've heard of the Roth IRA. Um, and of course, the Roth Kemp tax cut of 1982, which was the first major tax relief that any Americans had gotten over maybe several decades of Democrat uh, reign. Uh, when the uh, Ronald Reagan got elected in 1980, the Republicans took the uh, Senate majority, which was a huge, huge deal. 14 years later, they took the House majority, and I was part of that working with uh, Newt Gingrich. But anyway, this so this operative says to me, uh, you know, again, Tyler, you need to become a Democrat or you're not going to go anywhere. You know, that's the only way you're going to get anywhere. And the only way we can get behind you. I said, you know, what about, I mean, I said, really? I said, you're going to, I said, Harris McDowell. I said, you know, the guy is sauced half the time. He's, he's effectively useless. And I wasn't being 
uh, in any way um, vituperative or trying to, you know, I mean, the guy just is what everybody says about him, but he was parked in this seat because his daddy had been a congressman and he had been in that seat for 30 years. And I said, come on, man, the guy's a drunk. I mean, really, is that is that what you want to have representing the people in this state? And he says, yeah, Tyler, he says, I know he's a drunk, but he's our drunk. And I just, I, I was... I was floored by that, 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 you know, the notion that, okay, well, we don't care how defective our people are because there are people. And I have to say that really embodies, almost uh, epitomizes the, 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 uh, the general sense or the, um, uh, I would say almost like the governing philosophy, if you can say, say they have one of the Democrat party. It's like, they don't care how defective and uh, radical and you know deceitful. I mean, you look at people who tolerate an Adam Schiff. I can't believe that there are all these Democrats, that there are millions of people in this country um, that are that delusional and that, uh, I don't know, self-deceiving and not to mention deceitful on it because to believe this guy. I mean, he is the, he is the shysteriest shyster that you will ever come across and a truly despicable person. But I mean, I guess it's like become very much like a cult and uh, these people have their allegiances again to the organization and it takes on a life of its own. It's like they, they disconnect their brains and it's all about, I mean, uh, they'll engage in the types of sophistry and ridiculous, um, I mean, just the stuff that you hear thrown about uh, at you about Donald Trump. Um, I, I think I was literally looking at a, uh, a spaces that, uh, you know, the thing about uh, X and Twitter lately is that, uh, you know, it really has since Musk took over. It, I don't think it's necessarily that um, that conservatives, libertarians, uh, patriots have uh, somehow dominated or moved in and 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 you know sort of uh, pushed out all the leftists that that ran the place essentially and ran over everybody and had you know free reign. I think it's that they're they on the left side was a, like a Potemkin village that it was they didn't really have the numbers and a lot of it was bot accounts and and it's one of these deals you know they they like to have all the sound and fury uh, that gives you the impression that they actually have all these people oh my gosh you know you get mobbed and I I tend to think that they actually uh, they didn't have those numbers but when we when the patriots were unleashed like these are real people um, and I you know look. On the conservative side, libertarian side, the patriot side, I just have not seen anyone who's willing to openly get involved in or engage in the type of um, dirty sort of um, manipulative tricks, I guess, that you get from the Democrat side, such as bot swarms and reporting people and getting people banned and all these, you know, it's all this underhanded BS that they engage in. It's just like, well, what? You know, what What gives you the, it, that's why I think it's, you know, it's it's not even, again, down to ideology. It's like this um, warring clans kind of thing that they're involved in. They get sucked into this, you know, their whole identity is wrapped up in being associated with this either political party or political sect. Uh, and then they disconnect their brains. But I was, so I was um, noticing that, you know, the many of these spaces that pop up now, which is, uh, if you don't, you're not familiar with X or Twitter, um, it's just like an instant um open sort of uh, uh, video or audio chat room where you can see everybody who's in the room uh, and it's, it's controlled. I mean, they, you know, the, the host gets to choose who gets to uh, uh, be a speaker. And once you have like, I think they have a maximum number of people who can at any time speak, um, you're able to speak to the whole room or the space as I guess they would call it. So I noticed that, there, you know, I just thought to myself, why don't we ever see if there's such numbers and there's such popular support and they're so 
they have so many uh, people here on uh, social media. Why, why don't we see uh, spaces pop up with like, you know, hundreds and thousands of leftists and Democrats uh, talking about their deal and, and you know, whatever, uh, having discussions. And you only you only really see it from people on the right wing side of the equation or the Republican, again, conservative libertarian. And so finally, the other day, I just saw one pop up and it was like the most poorly attended. I think there was maybe at, at peak a hundred people and who knows how many of those were actually real people. But the the title of the uh, space was, um, you know, uh, hunting Nazis at CPAC. And it, it's just, it was so asinine that the premise of it that I thought what I, I had to listen and in. Um, so I went to the recording. Fortunately, I think they had been cut off an hour into it. But I mean, I have just never heard, you know, if you if you don't think you're uh, the intellectual firepower is on the right, as uh, Sean Hannity sometimes describes it. I mean, it really is because you go into a space with, say, a James O'Keefe um, as as he ran a big one that was like you know, maybe 2000 people. Um, or any any of the major, um, say, conservative, libertarian, again, patriot people, and and you really get uh, detailed, substantive discussion and uh, uh, you know attempts by people to get to know each other and to work out solutions and to talk about the future. Uh, I went into this leftist space, which you know, again, the whole uh, the whole uh, purpose of it was uh, pointing out all the you know the Nazis at CPAC and. You know, maybe there were some neo-Nazis at CPAC, but I mean, is this really what this is the focus of these? I mean, it couldn't have been more than literally a couple, uh, a small handful of people out of thousands of people who uh, attended that through the entire whatever three or four day, uh, uh, you know, period it was, it was held. And so I thought, all right, well, maybe they're going to sit here, as I've heard in, in spaces run by uh, people on the right, which is they're going to run through detailed presentations, presenting evidence, and they're going to tell us how, uh, you know, how they've uh, done all this sleuthing to to to, to uh, ferret out all the uh, Nazis at CPAC. And of course, uh, it was exactly what I suspected it would be. It was literally like a, a child play plan, uh, ch uh, ch uh, excuse me, a kid's playpen with uh, just sort of stumbling and stammering, like long pauses where no one would say anything and they would they would kind of throw it open to whoever wanted to talk. And inevitably people came in who were their opponents and began uh, heckling them. And, it, and then it just devolved from there into like trying to real time dox people. And just this, I mean, it was the most inane chattering and bicker, well, bickering when it became that of no substance. And I thought to myself, you know, this, like these people don't even necessarily, I, I can't even, imagine they they advocate or support any ideology or any sort of belief set that they could articulate that it's just like they're just their existence is is uh built around who they oppose you know uh, the nazis and and worse worse on falsely assigning that that moniker or falsely uh accusing others and uh smearing them up as though or just turning them into human straw men uh uh, you know, fake, basically saying you're a Nazi because we say so. Doesn't care. They're not even trying to inquire as to what they believe. Maybe because these people aren't even smart enough to believe anything themselves. They've just signed on to this like uh, cult organization or you know joiners. They want to be part of the part of the cool crowd. Is you know they're running around hunting Nazis at CPAC. I mean, you know, it's honestly, 
it is such a waste of human capital and a delusional folly that um I was like I was I was uh just thought to myself it's it's sad from that from that perspective just again the waste of human capital but at the same time I was heartened by the fact that these people are idiots I mean they honestly this is this is our opposition this is what we're gonna have to worry about I mean I can't see them I don't see how you have, you have to have some credi credibility to be authoritarian to be a dictator on some level these people don't have it much as their inclinations are towards uh you know fascist or communist uh, types types of top-down solutions so uh at least we can be heartened at that. I mean, I think the young people on the right and you know the patriots and activists on the right are very well informed and very up to speed and very articulate in most cases and uh, know what they believe in, not necessarily who they assign their uh, uh, undying allegiances to and, and moreover, who they hate and oppose. I mean, we, we oppose who we oppose because of what they stand for and what they're trying to do, not because of who they are or what clan they're part of. So... Speaking of um, clans, I guess, on some level, or at least partisan organizations, again, we'll have the chair of the Delaware GOP, the Delaware Republican Party, my former uh, home state, uh, here on the other side of uh, a little commercial break here. You're watching Tyler Nixon and the Tyler Nixon Show on today's News Talk. Don't go away. TNT's Steve Malzberg. I've said that she is a selfish witch and that she's abusing her elderly husband so she could remain first lady. I've been saying that for a long time that she ought to be ashamed of herself, but she's not. She played second fiddle to Michelle Obama for eight friggin' years. Yep. Michelle Obama hated the place, could yep. not wait to leave the White House mm -hmm. so she could go make millions writing books and selling non-existent shows on Netflix, Yes, which is fine. And that's Good what racket. you do post-presidency. Yeah. Jill Biden could not wait to live in the White House and now she does not want to leave. Yeah. I could not agree with her more. I've been saying this over and over and over again. Steve Malzberg on today's News Talk TNT. In a democracy, the majority vote rules. But in most democracies, you can only vote for change every three or four years. To understand what people want, governments and political parties use focus groups. These focus groups can include as little as 20 people. Australia is a country of over 25 million people. Does making decisions based on 20 people sound fair to you? Have your say. Be heard in between elections. Download the 4MySay app now. That is number four, my say. So many people who had no history of heart illnesses have got it now, or blood clotting after the COVID-19 vaccination. Punish those who hurt people with COVID madness. Lighting the fuse for freedom. TNT Radio. Back live, the Tyler Nixon Show here on today's News Talk. And joining me from Georgetown, Delaware, I, I presume, uh, is the chair of the Delaware Republican Party, and a patriot and a, uh, a crusader for truth, justice in the American way. Julianne Murray, welcome to my, uh, the Tyler Nixon Show. Great to have you. Uh, thank you so much for having me, Tyler. I always love being on with you. Well, thank you, thank you. Uh, I have to say that uh, Julianne uh, was gracious enough to have me on a, uh, a show she was, now do you, are you still doing your show? I am. Yes, can, can you tell us where, uh, where, where they can find this, uh, this outstanding, uh, every, what's once, once every weekend, um, and it's it's on legal issues and i'm sorry the name escapes me but it's clever i know <laughs> uh tipping the scales of justice 
Yes. Uh, and it is, uh, it's a Saturday show from 12 to 2 Eastern on, uh, it's a local radio station called WGMD. Uh, so the, uh, the site is WGMD.com. Uh, but it can also be viewed weekly on a website called industrynewsonline.com. And it's, you know, it's basically a, uh, it's a call-in show or what started as a call-in legal show, uh, but has now expanded. We have the, obviously the capability like you do to do things online so people can uh, you know, submit uh, electronic questions but it is uh, it's fun to do because you I do not have a call screener so I never quite know what legal question I'm going to get asked and uh, you graciously have appeared with me before and we have dealt with the you know super technical constitutional questions followed by my propane tank contract and you know and, and so it's you know but but I, I enjoy doing it. I've done it for now I'm going on about six years of you know of doing this every every Saturday. Yep. Wow. So you're definitely a pro, and I and I, I totally can relate to the WGMD. Uh, you know the sort of uh, my show when I had the Tyler Nixon show on WGMD. Obviously, we I thrived on the callers, but you never know. I mean, one caller would be praising you up and down. The next would be denouncing you. Uh, you know, and and so, but fortunately, your show is is not a rough and tumble political show. It's definitely more on the uh, erudite legal side. And you really, I have to say. You're an outstanding attorney, uh, Julianne. You know, in addition to your to your uh, political uh, uh, abilities, and I, I appreciate uh, whenever I hear you. Uh, you know, you have such a, a um, uh, you're so methodical and logical and uh, knowledgeable all at the same time, and pull pull it all together, which I think is is what we need and have long needed in a leader for the GOP. Because uh, as you uh, as I would I will have you. Uh, describe i mean a lot of our mm -hmm. battles are moving into the courts and moving to the legislative side where we see democrats essentially trying to once again water down and dilute uh mm -hmm. election integrity and you won a major battle prior to the 2022 election or was it 2020 yes i, mm -hmm. yes, I did can, yeah can, uh, can you just I, give us the rundown because yeah, i yeah you betcha. Uh, and, you know, and what's really, you know, I mean, so thank you for that. And, you know, and, and for the compliments, it's, you know, I, as I told uh, when I signed on and was going through the you know, the process to get on with you, uh, the your producer said, Julianne, that's an unusual name. And I said, for an unusual person. Uh, and, it, you know, I mean, I, I, but I, you know, at this point in my life, you know, I own that and it's, you know, it, it's terrific. So uh, it, by way of history, um, I, I am an attorney. I actually didn't become an attorney until I was 41 years years old. I'm going to be 54 in a couple weeks. Uh, so I was a late bloomer and came in, I uh, opened my own firm from the get go and have always been a bit of a, you know, a, a, a rebel. I uh, took on sheriff's authority very early on in my, you know, my legal career. But in 2020, I challenged the governor on COVID restrictions in federal court because he cut down short-term rentals. Uh, that turned into a gubernatorial uh, race where I actually went on to the general election and won more votes than any Republican in the history of Delaware in a gubernatorial case as a or, or race as a first-time candidate. I mentioned that so that you understand the setup for 22. So in 22, I was running for attorney general and our uh, we had vote by mail in 2020, like most states did because of the quote, COVID emergency. That's a whole nother story. Quote, COVID <laughs> emergency. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, pandemic, you name it. Thank you. Yes, uh, and exactly. then, yes. And in, in, in 22, uh, this the General Assembly 
chose to pass vote by mail statutorily, where Delaware has a absentee voting is uh, constitutionally provided for in the Delaware Constitution. And, you know, prior to 22, if there were any amendments or any uh, to the categories, for instance, for absentee voting, uh, it had to be done by constitutional amendment. And basically, the General Assembly took the position in 22 in the floor debate. This is what's so outrageous about it, that uh, we're going to go ahead and pass it and, and yeah. let you sort it out, even <laughs> though they knew that it was, you know, violative of the Delaware Constitution incredibly brazen. Uh, I, I knew it was coming mid-June. I was geared up as a candidate. I knew I was going to file. I was not the plaintiff because a lawyer who represents themselves has a fool for a client, you know, and I had a Republican, a Democrat, and an Independent as my three plaintiffs and filed a lawsuit the day within hours of when the governor signed it. Uh, there was another lawsuit filed at, by, at that point, the chair of the party. Uh, I wasn't the chair at that point. Both of us filed. The suits ended up being heard together. And, uh, you know, we won in trial court. Uh, they did it right after the primary in September and did an expedited appeal uh, to the Delaware Supreme Court that I argued it was like October 6th for, you know, before a November 8th election. And they affirmed it the, the very, very next day. So huge, you know, in terms of and what they said was you can't statutorily do this. I'm in the Constitution. Um, why that is so significant is uh, amending the Constitution is obviously a much bigger deal. Uh, it takes two legislative sessions. So there was no way that they could have vote by mail in place by 2024. So it was, you know, I mean, I went on with Steve Bannon very shortly, you know, the day after and said, whoever is the presidential candidate in 24 can send me a Christmas card because there's <laughs> not going to be, you know, there's not going to be vote by mail in Delaware in 24. I, I remember that actually. And I was like cheering you on and thinking, gosh, why couldn't I have been back in Delaware still when this happened? You must have been like elated. I mean, it had to be just so energizing and it, and probably contributed Huge. to your to your great vote count. It did, you know, and for for those that are keeping score, uh, you know, I I lost I had 46 point, I think 46.3 percent of the vote in what people call blue Delaware as a, you know, as a Republican attorney general candidate. So, uh, you know, it, yeah. it, and it's interesting, you know, my, it's funny, my father and I have talked about this. He actually believes that that vote by mail decision cost me the election in 22. Oh. And I said, you know, and I, I was like, that's just, no, I just can't go there. You know, I mean, and, and why he's saying that and this should not be a surprise to anybody. Anytime we do something that is beneficial to voter integrity, the left characterizes us as Republican extremists. You know, we're disenfranchising. We're taking yeah, away your right to vote. Blah, right. Yeah, all of yeah. it. All of it. Um, but, you know, I mean, as a lawyer, uh, probably the most satisfying case I have ever argued and, you know, and felt like it was completely and utterly worthwhile. And having the decision come that quickly, uh, you know, because yep. I mean, normally when you have a big case like that, it drags out, you know, you finally get a decision. But I mean, that's just like instant gratification. I, I swear you must have been, really been uh, oh, elated. I was, but uh, yes, it's, you know, and, and actually thank you for that, because it's fun to kind of go back to that piece of it. You know, it was we argued it. I think it was on a Thursday and Friday afternoon. Um, my secretary said, you got something from the Supreme Court. And I was, you know, and, and I, you know, like an, an electronic notice, you know how these notifications come across. Yes, I'm driving, right. you know, and I said to her, I was like, read it to me. And, you know, and she reads it and she gets to the affirmed, uh, it, it affirmed in part and reversed in part. And the reason there were two pieces is there was 
was a, um, a same day registration aspect to this that the other case was addressing that they also uh, ruled in our favor, basically saying same day registration also violates the Constitution. So once she read through it and I went, oh, my God, we won. It was. Oh, yeah. I, luckily, I didn't crash my car. I was, uh, but I was doing a, yeah, I was doing a whole lot of dialing, uh, you know, hands free to people. Just it was it was incredibly, uh, incredibly great. Well, it, I mean, at least it, it tells you that the, you know, the, the jurists in Delaware, I don't know, the makeup of the, of the court might be a little different now, but mm-hmm. they are going they take the Constitution seriously. I mean, because, you know, you certainly have cases where I mean, we saw courts in like Pennsylvania, for example, where they just they just signed off on whatever the, uh, the you know, the executive orders and all the, the election changes that were done. And only years later, even bothered to to rule on their constitutionality. So, you know, uh, three cheers for the Delaware Supreme Court, uh, for sure. Uh, well, and I'm going to add to that because, you, you know, you mentioning Pennsylvania at the time that this case was pending, that Pennsylvania decision came out while it was pending and Massachusetts did, too. And in both of those, the courts did legal gymnastics that were ridiculous in order to uphold vote by mail. So it was, you know, in that sense, the Delaware Supreme Court was even, you know, even more kudos because the pressure at the time absolutely was you must uphold vote by mail no matter what. And, you know, the Delaware Supreme Court basically said not in Delaware. Yep. Well, I mean, certainly I've always found that the uh, Delaware judges and attorneys, I mean, are definitely a, a cut above what I've found anywhere else around the country. I just think the, you know, the culture lends itself to uh, people. I mean, yes, there's, there's, you know, there's, there's the middling, there's attorneys who are maybe not, uh, you know, not don't live up to the standards we would hope for. But overall, though, I mean, I think Delaware attorneys are very sharp and and you're definitely, you, you are, you know, a, an avatar of that. Um, I want to I want to quick get into, uh, you know, you mentioned the Constitution and obviously I I had sort of sort of fought some battles early on. Uh, I, I don't know if you even remember when you but it was, say, the mid 2000s up until about 2010 when I was actually one of the I was one of the last, if not, I don't know if those the last fusion candidates where, uh, you know, they basically undertook to try to ban fusion candidates. Now, for those who don't know, a fusion candidate is where a, a candidate is nominated by multiple parties. So you would actually, because of the verities of the uh, Delaware ballot, you would appear in two places, which, um, you know, people have their issues with that. Personally, I feel that it's a free speech issue uh, for starters. Mm-hmm. And also just, I think we, you know, considering that how many, I, I think it was something at that time, 60% of incumbents ran unopposed. So I felt like anything that's going to keep people out of the process or make it more difficult or put restrictions on is not something that's needed at this time. We don't have enough people even running to bothering to run at all. So, um, right. but one one of the things that going through it, uh, Title 15, which is the uh, you know, the elections code in Delaware, I, I was shocked when I consider that the the Constitution affords you know free and equal elections. I mean, that's basically if I'm if I'm not mistaken, that's the actual mm-hmm. guarantee. Mm-hmm. Yet when you it go is. into the, yeah, when you go into the Delaware election code, it's like incumbent protection and and I hate to say it, you know, major party protectionist city. It is. And even worse, which was shocking to me, was there's an actual statute which says that the device and name of the Democratic Party shall always be listed in the first column and first position on the ballot. And I'm like, how do you get equal protection of the law as a any other thing other than a Democrat when they literally have their, you know, the, uh, first ballot position written into the code. And and I'm just surprised that that's never been challenged. What what do you make of uh, provisions like that? 
Well, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, and, and this is probably true in other states too, but I could certainly say this about Delaware. Uh, you know, the, uh, there is, there are plenty of statutes that could absolutely be challenged on the, you know, on their constitutionality and the validity of, you know, whether, whether they're valid or constitutional. You know, on something like that, uh, I, I agree with you. I think there's a tremendous, uh, you know, argument that, well, what do you mean you are guaranteed first position? You know, I mean, because, you know, because even if the argument is, um, um, let's call it, you know, it's alphabetical. D comes before R. You know, the, you know, if there is a party that ha- starts with an A, you know, then, you know, why aren't yeah, they in the that Constitution first party, right? Hello. C comes yeah. before D in most places. You know, I mean, well, so you're you're absolutely correct. I think that part of the reason, uh, yeah, and and this is a, you know again kind of one of those attorney arguments is standing. You know, so trying to get you know it would have to be somebody. So to challenge that, it would have to be. I mean, and I'm going to just use the two parties as an example here. If we were just doing you know, and and I'm I, I will tell you even as a chair of a major party, the chair of the Republican Party. I do not have an issue with the idea of having other parties, you know, but for the purposes of this, let's say there's just the two. I think in order to challenge, for instance, that provision that you've just given that the Democrat is automatically, you know, is listed, you know, in the far most left column, you know, and the Republican is to the right. Yeah, that the in order to, quote unquote, win that you would have to it would have to be a Republican candidate who lost, who would be able to establish that they lost because they're in the second column instead of the first column. I mean, it's crazy that you know but i mean i so i think that part of the reason some of this has not been challenged when it would absolutely be proper to challenge it is that you know that uh trying to get through the door from a standing point um i I mean yeah i don't know i would just think i mean just you know substantively in terms of due process the fact of well first of all as i've made the argument many many times the delaware constitution does not even mention political parties and yet the entire election code is built around creating a caste system starting with you know the democrats at the top or the leftmost and then you know major and minor parties and having all sorts of different rules and does you know uh, uh requirements which can cut both ways in many cases um but it just it was shocking to me i mean what i when i see equal i mean how do you get equal protection of a law that specifically gives advantage to i mean you would need standing for that i would think it would just be on its face uh you know you would have well, standing I mean, as, as, a, right. as a, I mean, the other thing is this, oh, right. oh, 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 i was going to say the other thing is this uh just on you know as a corollary the design of the ballot is completely based on parties. And again, I mean, I've said before, why not? Why don't we? Why does it have to be? Why don't you just redesign the ballot, make it alphabetical a name? Personally, I think that, you know, I've often thought that the voters should be informed enough to know who who they're voting for and not have uh, party prompts there and, and party advertising on the ballot. But, you know, I'm, I'm I totally agree with you. Yeah. Okay, no, no, I don't think you are. Yeah, I mean, and I think that, I mean, so one of the, yeah, and I, I don't remember the year, so, you know, fault me on this one. You know, I mean, one Breaking of the, news. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, she didn't know everything. <laughs> just, just ask her, you know, the, uh, you know, it, it is that um, we did get rid of, quote unquote, uh, the ability to fight, to push one button to vote straight ticket. Oh, yeah. I, I mean, or the, the, so, or the, well, the big lever at the top yeah. or big, a big pull uh that was crazy. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that that's yeah. just so like, they did. I mean, so that dummy, piece dummy of it, switch. 
Well, and again, back to that equal protection argument. I mean, how if you are making it, you know, so not only are you giving, quote unquote, an advantage by putting them, you know, first, you know, first column, first candidate, you know, there was also the addition, you know, the add on to that adding insult to injury of yeah, and you can click at the top and you get everybody straight ticket. So they, you know, that piece of it has, you know, has, has, has left the building. But, yeah. you know, but I do think, I mean, I, I mean, I can tell you from, you know, from the standpoint of, I mean, I've, I've traveled through article or title 15 quite a bit and, you know, and, you know, to kind of bring this back around to some of election integrity stuff and kind of an equal protection thing when, uh, you know, post 2020, you know, I mean, we all know that, you know, vote by mail was the deciding factor for the 2020 election period, you know, and, you know, and, uh, and it is, you know, as much as people like to call, if I say, look, there's fraud with vote by mail, and people say, Oh, my God, you're a crazy election denier. No, there's fraud. I mean, that's, I mean, I, there is absolutely, yeah. Not to mention, I mean, the fact that that every international uh, organization, I believe one led by uh, Jimmy Carter and others, uh, you know, and analyzing voting practices, one thing they concluded uh, unanimously and beyond question was that mail-in, any sort of mail-in or or remote voting like that was absolutely a, a, a fertile and probably opportune ground for all sorts of fraud mischief that was probably inevitable. To set up that system would be to literally enable mass fraud. And it... it- but again, you know that, I know that, but the, what used to be called uh, mainstream media now called legacy media. Again, you talk about 2020 and you say anything that is, you know, that, that questions the validity of, you know, uh, of those, you know, of the elections. So where I'm going with this is I was in title 15, you know, I, I lost by a hundred thousand votes. Uh, and you know, and it was a hundred thousand vote by mail votes. You know, I essentially tied the incumbent governor. I was within 5,000 votes on the machine vote in 2020. So there was wow. kind of this whole conversation. Is it something that we can challenge? Is, you know, it, and, and what it came down to from, a, again, from a um, standing standpoint was the, the threshold that I would have had to get in order to really contest the election was showing that the results would have been different uh, if you, you know, but for the fraud. But for, and with right, right. Yeah, but in within Title 15, they actually require if you do a contest that you and I'm I'm paraphrasing a bit here, but that you identify with particular. They actually require if you do a contest that you and I'm I'm paraphrasing a bit here, but that you identify with particularity the votes that are fraudulent. Okay, so now I've got I I have to not only do I have you know chicken and egg argument there i mean come on it is you know you'll find out you have to find out what's in the safe by breaking into it but you can't break into it until you know what's in it right and oh by the way in my case would have had to do that for a hundred thousand oh gosh julianne we've got to take a a commercial break here for a couple minutes uh and uh, we'll get back into maybe and talk a little bit of national politics my guest julianne murray the chair of the delaware republican party this is the tyler nixon show on today's news talk don't go away Give me a minute with TNT Radio's Steve Malzberg. Well, the gals of The View were at it again, this time defending the Biden family dog commander after it was revealed that the dog had been viciously attacking Secret Service agents for a long time. His name is Commander. The report found that there were at least... This is a lot. This is a lot. 24 (laughs) incidents of him biting folks. (laughs) 
Well, it makes you wonder, what did he see that nobody else saw? <laughs> yeah, right? Really, Whoopi? Well, she wasn't finished, and she wasn't the only one on the view panel to make a fool of herself. All you gotta do is look at him. Look, look at, at him. Can you show that picture again? Look at his like, that's boy. right. Yeah. I'm walking. Listen I'm walking here. I'm walking here. Yeah. Woo -woo. Listen to his name, Commander. That's He's in right. charge. He's I'm a, a bite giant. He's a guard dog. <laughs> you know, that's, that's why Ooh, it's, right. I, I think people don't understand. You know, a lot of people just don't understand. Some things when it comes to dogs, it's just innate. It's part of their nature. Leave it to Sonny. Are you kidding us? Are you really kidding us? It's their nature? Whose dog goes around attacking people? Yours? Mine? Unbelievable. And if this had been Donald Trump as president and his family dog attacked Secret Service agents, harming them, hurting them, causing them to get stitches, and you know what? They'd be saying Donald Trump should lose his Secret Service protection. What a joke. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. I'm Belinda, and this is Willard, and we were adopted in 2021. When we first met Todd, he was singing a song, and I was like, wow, look at this kid with the biggest smile, <laughs> and he has a big heart to match. The energy you give Todd, you get it back from Todd. Yeah. Todd's a joy. Yes, Todd's is. really is a great joy. I love him. <laughs> you and you. <laughs> Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org. You're with Tyler Nixon on today's News Talk TNT. My fabulous guest today on uh, today's News Talk is Julianne Murray, chair of the Republican Party of Delaware. And the conversation off air was even it was as lively as it is on. She is a great guest, and I, I really appreciate her taking the time to join us because she is uh, in high demand. And Julianne, you were telling me you were telling me about another victory in Delaware, and this one pertained to early voting. That was just the uh, uh, decision just came out. That you said last Friday was it? Last Friday, and it is. Um, it, it's only at the superior court level at this point, so it is absolutely being appealed by the state. But uh, as kind of a follow-on to this vote by mail case that we were talking about, around the same time, a couple months before, there was a case filed uh, by the the prior chair and the Public Interest Legal Foundation. So huge shout out to Public Interest Legal Foundation about attacking two things: early voting because our Constitution refers to election day not election days, uh, and it also attacked permanent absentee voting. So this is something that a lot of states uh, adopted because of COVID, where basically when they sent those applications to everybody because they had the green light to do that in 2020 applications for ballots, they put a little checkbox here that said, hey, if you like absentee voting, do you wanna to continue to do this forever? And people checked off this box. And our permanent absentee voting, uh, meaning people who are permanently disabled or something, swelled to 22,000 people. Now, some of these big states are like, so what, 22,000 people? Delaware, that's a significant number, 22,000 people. You know, and, and so this lawsuit attacked early voting as violative because it says election day and also attacked permanent absentee voting, saying that basically our constitution requires you to basically apply every time to absentee vote. There is no such thing right. as permanent. You, you know, you have to do this. So it got bounced out of one court into another, has gone through all sorts of procedural hurdles. But this past Friday, the judge who the left is having a complete conniption fit about because he's a Republican, you know, said basically 
based on the decision that happened in 22 about vote by mail and the reading of the Delaware Constitution, I find that early voting and permanent absentee voting are also unconstitutional. And uh, so and the state, our current AG, who was my I competed against and have a strong dislike for, uh, has <laughs> very quickly come out and called everybody Republican extremists and said that Mega this will be appealed. Yes. Yeah, I mean, so, you know, our our Congress, the Democrat Congress candidate, the Democrat governor candidate, they, uh, they are all using Republican extremist. Of I course. then came out with a press release that basically said, shame on all of you. This this decision is not about politics. It is about a constitution. And in this case, this is the judicial branch putting the legislative branch in check. That is what yeah. we should be celebrating, not condemning. But, you and, know, and- be that as, yeah. And in strict adherence to the Constitution and, you know, the principles of having a stable uh, election system, because let's face it, the the permanent absentee voting was just like a Trojan horse for for mail in balloting uh, on a on a mass scale. I mean, it was just yeah. a proto, uh, you know, model for that. And it's just it just it shocks me. I think I would maybe you've heard this expression where they say, you know, Republicans um, try to uh, go go for votes and or Republicans try to get votes and uh, Democrats try to get ballots, which says, you know, everything you need to know in terms of like they don't care. It's like they don't view it as an actual. I think it's oddly for for a dem- uh, party that calls themselves Democrats. Um, I think they view it almost as just like a technical uh, exercise to see who can best the other, whatever means are necessary, whatever they do it. It's not an actual like, hey, this is a referendum of the people choosing right. their government according to the makeup of the i mean honestly i mean they've they'll, they'll they pull out every trick in the book just in the last uh you know three election cycles and, and i wouldn't be surprised if uh some of the uh machine i, I don't know if you follow the dominion uh you know some of the things that have gone on with dominion and these other companies uh there was you know uh, at gateway pundit they've come out they're coming out with documents that show this massive uh like a uh, zoom call that happened uh the afternoon of the 2020 election that had like all the usual. I mean, they had Eric Coomer from Dominion in there. They had uh, uh, all, all them plus the secretaries of state. And it was just like, why are these people on some massive call with, you know, all, like top you know people from from what I would call like front groups, you know, that, that mm-hmm. appear to be nonprofits. But let's face it, we know who funds them. It's like Soros funded or mm-hmm. or otherwise. Um, and, you know, it's just I, I think we have and, and I understand. I mean, I've seen the new well new probably not not new uh like in the last say five or ten years but uh i remember the old systems the old um, voting machines that we had in delaware and then they've gone to the newer version which you know prints out a little printout and all these kind of thing but ultimately it comes down to black box voting which uh you know i personally i mean i think this is a real problem I and mean, it may not be a problem in delaware but then again how would we know because i mean how it, would we it know goes, yeah it goes into these uh you know a a, a, a Black box meaning for those who don't understand, it's a, a you know inscrutable box you know which would be like your computer processor through which the data goes and there's no way to physically uh, verify that or tabulate it. You just have to trust the data you know and as we know garbage in garbage out when it comes to data. And I've often questioned with some of the the margins of victory that the Democrats have had uh, that the state could have you know taken that far of a swing to the left and now where you see basically it seems like Republicans are are really really. I mean, I feel like we've turned into a Rhode Island or, or something where, I mean, I guess the last uh, last statewide Republican elected was um, Ken. Uh, Ken Simpler. 
Ken Zippler, right, for treasurer yeah. even. I mean, do we 2014. Have, I mean, and, and you, uh, by the way, you're four, you said 46.3, I think you got in that governor's race. Yep. That is, a, that is amazing because, I mean, we had gotten to the point, as I recall, say, say around like, you know, the end of the Minner reign, where it was like a Republican getting more than 40% was like a bannered election, you know? Correct. So that, that really, that really reflects the impact you made. And particularly, I think there's a lot of, again, as I had said in the uh, monologue, the beginning, very dug in uh, forces um, on the Democrat side, certainly that aren't even necessarily ideological. It's more like a clannish, uh, maybe patronage driven uh, fealty to this organization. And unfortunately, as you know, what is it? Uh, I think, uh, 70,000 is it uh, the, the 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 largest employer in the state is the state and we've got you know, so many I mean literally maybe say uh, something like six to eight percent maybe even ten percent of the population of the entire state are all government workers which mm -hmm. in itself is not sustainable but I mean the fact is when you have that many people who have a vested interest in the you know the the government establishment you know, it's going to be you're going to get people who are 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 uh, and, and they're involved in the political system as I went round and round with Mike Bogato of uh, asked me uh, on the radio years back when he was just, you know, like, wh why can't we get involved in all this kind of thing? And I said, yeah, you can uh, individually, but I, I just think, you know, that you're being able to get together and be involved and be, oh, this is for government workers um, to, to be on both sides of the table is just, I mean, even Franklin Roosevelt, you know, one with great Democrats said, never let the uh, government employees unionize. I mean, it'll be the end of our democracy because they're a government within a government and and they have a perpetual that they have a need or a a, a a an incentive to perpetuate their own you know their own employment and their benefits um do you see who do you see or how do you see us in in delaware breaking through at the statewide level i mean generationally or uh, i mean maybe just that right candidate comes along do you, do you see a victory statewide in our near future um, yes, I do. So there's two different, uh, and, and believe me, there has been, uh, while I'm the chair of the party, uh, I have had people, oh, are you going to run again? No, I, I ran in 20 and 22. You know, I'm the chair of the party and my focus at this point is getting Republicans elected. So you know, and and for those who don't know, the Delaware Republican Party, uh, if I described it as a dumpster fire, I would be, be uh, too, too kind. I love it. Uh, it, it yeah, I mean, just took on a lot. You know, I mean, there's there's lots of issues there. So for this particular election, as a you know, as a party chair, I'm actually focused more down ballot because we have to fight off a supermajority uh, yes. and uh, of the Democrats. We have in the Senate, the Democrats already have a supermajority. In the House, they are two seats away from having a supermajority. And for Ugh. those who don't know what that means, it would allow them to amend the Constitution at will without a Republican vote. Uh, counting. Uh, and so they've already telegraphed where they're going to go. They've done this with vote by mail. They've done it with uh, unbelievable uh, gun restrictions, uh, you know, gender affirming health care, I mean, like all sorts of things that they're passing statutorily that they will constitutionalize if they have that supermajority. So I, you know, I, I'm focused to down ballot. However, the U.S. Congress race in Delaware is going to set up as a possible sleeper race uh, and the U.S. Senate seat. So the Senate seat, Lisa Blunt Rochester, who was our congressperson, is moving, ascending to Senate. Uh, and she is uh, she did nothing as a congressperson. So, I mean, she's she's not a quality candidate. We've got somebody that I could that I would consider to be moderate that I think actually could appeal to the um you know to the uh the newcastle county democrats and independents but the congress race 
is uh, there's a three-way primary on the Democrat side, one of whom is a sitting state senator who is a transgender who literally said in her announcement, I want to be the first transgender in the U.S. Congress. Yeah. Wow, there, yeah. There's, a, there, there's a reason to run. Uh, now, now, and now so, uh, to be clear here, tran- uh, because, because we have like Rachel uh, Levine, you know, wh- who, who, who claims to be, oh, I'm transgender, but they're just a transvestite. In other words, they just wear women's clothes. They're not going and getting surgeries and having actual transition. So it's kind of a bit, you know, is this person an actual, you know, physical transgender has changed, you know, because I mean, I, I think that's something to be said. It's like there's a difference between someone who feels they need to change their body because they feel they're a different and someone who just wants to put on women's clothes and, and run around like some kind of weirdo. As far as I know, and, you know, uh, actual transgender has, you know, has, okay. has done, you know, uh, surgery has done you know, the whole, the whole thing. Um, but we have a candidate on the Republican side, a woman named Danielle Hall, who ran for Lieutenant governor when I ran for governor. And, uh, you know, she is African-American veteran, mother of 10, small business owner, you know, uh, checks off so many boxes. Yeah. So in an she identity policy, on, uh, yeah. on the, uh, yeah, stuff, she was. wasn't she? Yeah. It's terrific. You know, and so, you know, I mean, whether, you know, a whole different show is us talking about whether identity politics is something that we should really talk about or not. But the reality is what's the phrase perception is reality. You know, right. the ideologically, uh, the, you know, that is a, a very powerful setup in terms of, you know, African-American female versus transgender female. And so from a statewide standpoint, that election has the potential to, uh, you know, and, you know, if I have a a governor candidate, I mean, that has been challenging. You know, there are people who are complaining about, we don't have a governor candidate. I was like, one of the other things I inherited was no bench of candidates. You know, it's a tough job to get somebody to run for governor because all you hear when you're running for governor is it's a blue state. You can't win. Go spend a ton of money and time to lose so you know i mean i I think this year for lots of quote unquote blue states nationally what is playing out that you know the discord that is playing out at the you know between in the democrat party itself is uh, a hell of an opportunity for us uh, on the republican side and so you know if there's a year that you know that a republican wins for being a republican you know this is the year so yeah i mean and then you take in all the inroads that you know we made in 22 i mean seriously to get within you know i was well within the margin of error uh you know you know at you know and um whether it was me as a candidate or whether it was kind of ideologically where people were it's probably a combination Frankly, I mean, I would like yep. to think it was me, but it may also just be people were sick of, you know, this at that race, it was a law and order race. You know, uh, Republicans win on law and order. We just do. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the tide is, you know, the, we, we have a shot in 24. Absolutely. Beautiful. Well, at minimum, I also think that uh, what you demonstrated was that we're not, like I said, Rhode Island or Massachusetts, where you're just never going to penetrate the the solid right. core of Democrat voters. It doesn't matter what you do. You're never you're always going to be a 30 percenter, whereas that, you know, you've shown that it's possible to come within striking distance. And hey, Absolutely. listen, I mean, things, conditions are far worse than they were in 2020. That's for sure. I mean, the border, I'm sure. I mean, Delaware is like a uh, is like a way station along the way for uh, illegal immigrants, certainly, as you know, in Georgetown there. I mean, it's like crazy. They've got, I mean, I can't even imagine what they have now. Um, well, we've got a couple minutes left, uh, Julianne, and um, what do you, th- I'm, I'm going to have you put on your national prognosticator and uh, uh, analyst hat. 
What do you think uh, for for president in, in uh, 2024? Is Donald Trump going to going to come roaring back and we're going to have uh, a restoration and he's going to be put in his right place uh, after having it stolen or, or are we going to just be uh, go into that dark abyss? <laughs> God, I hope he is reelected uh, for all of our sakes. Um, I, I, I think that, I mean, so there, um, can he win? Absolutely. Should he win? Absolutely. He is, uh, he is uh, pulling demographics that Republicans haven't pulled in, you know, in decades. Uh, you know, the African-American, Hispanic, I mean, women, I mean, a lot, you know, are shifting toward Trump. Uh, the, 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 the million dollar question is election integrity. You know, do we have enough in place? Will there be enough in place to, you know, to stop shenanigans, which is a complete understatement word, but kind of fun to say, you know, on election day. Um, I can tell you that what he is doing in terms of his moves with the RNC, uh, is, uh, pulling that in, uh, is going to help on the election integrity end of things. And so, yeah, yeah. I think he can win and I think he does win. Beautiful. And I guess we'll see in Delaware whether people are fed up with Biden as well. So, uh, Julianne, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, and I hope to have you back and uh, we'll check in again in the future. Uh, best of luck with everything as chair. And uh, we appreciate your efforts. All right. Appreciate it very much. Happy to come back anytime. Thanks. Thanks. This has been the Tyler Nixon Show here on today's News Talk. Coming up, State of the Nation 